Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing the insidious nature of gig work. Insidious. That's just a fun word to say, Joel. <laughs> I almost said it three times in a row, just for added effect. You know what happens when you say insidious three times in a row, with the lights off with your hand on the mirror, right? <laughs> Did you ever do that as a kid? No. The, what is it, Bloody Mary with a baby thing? Oh, yeah, no. You never, remember that? No, never tried it. Oh, I remember that, hearing that. I was like, probably too scared. As a kindergartner and being freaked out that people would even, like, we're even talking about that. That was, <laughs> that was something that You covered your ears and you were just like, I was like, oh, I don't want to hear that. That sounds <laughs> too scary. But yeah, man, we feel that there is an insidious nature to gig work the gig economy it's more popular than ever but there's kind of like this messed up kind of dark underbelly to the different gig jobs out there we're going to talk about those because those aren't the things that the uh, these different platforms all the shiny apps you know you see the uh, their website and their app on your phone it looks so clean and polished all the pictures of the people having fun doing their gig <laughs> jobs yeah but the actual work it's a lot different than maybe how they portray it. The sun's not always shining uh, like it is. <laughs> right, but we will give the, the positive uh, yeah, there are benefits of gig work, too. It's not it's not all bad, uh, but we'll get into not that. Not all doom and gloom. <laughs> in this episode. But before we get to that, Matt, I just wanted to quickly give people an update. I didn't realize, I was just thinking today, as I rode my bike to the dentist uh, before we began this recording, I was like, 
it's been 10 months since we sold our Nissan Leaf and went down to having one car. And I just kind of wanted to give a quick update to yeah. our listeners because we haven't, I haven't really talked about it all that much. It's true. Yeah, you haven't. And I'll be honest with you. It surprises me that you've, it's only been 10 months. Like in my mind, I feel like you've always just had one car. Like you've joined the one car families out there like us, the Altmixes. And I almost barely remember a time when you were like everybody else out there. <laughs> I will say <laughs> not everybody, but I'm pretty yeah, sure the sometimes. plural of your name is Altmice though. Alt, so Altmai. Yeah. No, you just add the yes. Okay. So yeah. So I just want to let people know one, I think that not having a car for our family financially has been a really good thing. Having just one car as opposed to two, there was even just, so in the state of Georgia, in in January, after we sold it, we would have had to pay a $300 tax for owning that car. E, was that a separate EV tax? It, exactly. Okay. Basically, it, because I don't pay for gas and I don't uh, pay uh, gas tax to help fund the roads, then I would I would have to pay $300 directly to the states in order mm-hmm. to kind of pay my fair share, which I get. Yeah, but you got to take care of the roads. I was able to skip out on that. I was able to, you know, I'm able to pay less in insurance costs uh, on the reg, which has been great. It's definitely lowered my insurance costs having only one car instead of two and you know the maintenance factor wasn't that big of a deal having an ev yeah it's it's pretty cheap to run and maintain uh but until that battery doesn't hold a charge anymore like my phone <laughs> right yeah yeah well and, and also in some ways actually uh our, you know our gas bill has gone up because we're only driving the the gas sure. power car when we might have driven the ev but for the most part it has been really really good and i'm trying to think of like times where we felt uh stranded with only having one car and it may have just been once or twice. Like it's yeah. not been a big deal. And, and in that case, I just use rideshare. And I did complain, I think on Twitter, I don't know, a few months ago about just an awful experience with rideshare mm. where it took over an hour to get a ride. And so in that situation, I was really frustrated. I was like, man, I wish I had my own car <laughs> here. But for the most part, that is so rare. And, and I'm able to ride my bike most places because where we live is so biker walker friendly. Um, I can get everywhere I need to go on my bike. And so, and you've been really intentional about making sure that you live within a certain number of miles from your house. Right. We obviously know that for some of our listeners where they live, it's more difficult where we live. uh, We've done it on purpose, but it is, it is a little bit easier to make that switch. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I just wanted to say, Hey, 10 months in, it's really not that big of a deal. I'm still so glad we did it. Uh, will we ever go back to having two cars? I don't know. You're going to keep uh, it up? Yeah, but for the time now, uh, time being, we don't have any plan to change uh, change things up. And you know, my wife actually started uh, grad school, and she, she has been driving actually more because of that. And I've had been forced to not have a car even more than I otherwise thought when we sold the, the EV, but so it's you're kind still of been the, good. Good, yeah. So you're kind of at like the peak of inconvenience right now, yeah. or, you know, where you might, might get stranded. So how many times have you actually like paid for a ride if it was like pouring down raining or something like that so i'm so cheap matt like i I budgeted for it but my goal is to not use any of that money yeah (laughs) so but so can can you count on like like count on one hand okay yeah the number of times that you failed a ride exactly that is awesome yeah and well there was one time i think when it was raining and i was supposed to take my daughter to school i think that's that's the one i remember your (laughs) wife came and picked me up so i didn't pay for a ride well because the 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 lift canceled on me yeah and i was like dang it okay so obviously having some ride share uh mishaps uh, you can't necessarily count on it like i like i thought you could but even still i I would say it's been overly um, a massive 
incredibly positive move. Totally. Yeah, man, that's right. And we'll actually talk more about rideshare later this episode, but let's go ahead and introduce our beer for this episode. And you and I are sharing a fluffo sando. It's got a picture of a marshmallow sandwich there, <laughs> there on the front of it. Uh, but this is by Pipeworks, uh, and we will share our thoughts on this beer at the end of the episode. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Uh, but for now, let's get on to the subject at hand. We're talking about the insidious nature of gig work. And Matt, I don't know how you feel about commercials for prescription medications. Oh my gosh. They're so weird. They're pretty annoying. <laughs> I would say that. <laughs> and they're actually uh, illegal in most countries. I believe it's just the United States and New Zealand that allow direct advertising from the pharmaceutical companies to us as individuals. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like, well, you know, I understand why it's banned in so many other places, partly because of the annoyance, but partly because because it's like, should I actually be going to my doctor and telling them what prescription drug that I want? Shouldn't, shouldn't they know how, right. and be prescribing <laughs> something based on their own uh, their own knowledge? Why am I the one who's prescribing what drug I should use? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it feels a little backwards. No, doc, I think I'm going to make my own diagnosis here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, on those commercials, they're so, there's always people doing happy, fun things and uh, taking a vacation with their family or throwing a tennis ball to their dog, pushing, taking a hike through the woods. Pushing their grandkids. Yeah, yeah, teaching them how to ride a bike. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's like, oh man, these, these uh, drugs obviously just make you incredibly happy like the, this must be a good thing because people have smiles on their faces mm-hmm. and so yeah i think the pharma companies are trying to sell you hard on the fix that their medication is supposed to be bringing but at the end of the commercials there's always this disclaimer there's like a long list of side effects yeah and sometimes it's long <laughs> and uh the, yeah some are more serious i feel like than the disease that you're curing if, <laughs> if you want to cure your restless <laughs> leg syndrome which you know i'm sure is an annoyance. It's a frustration. It's something that you want to have taken care of. It turns out that the cure, the 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 most commonly prescribed medication, could have a side effect that would lead you to becoming a compulsive gambler. <laughs> that's I was ridiculous. Sh- which, which, amongst which, other things, but I was yeah. like, okay, that's a weird one. And also, intuitively, that doesn't make any sense because here's something that's going to calm down your leg and cause your leg from doing impulsive things. I would think that that would also cause you to do less impulsive things overall. You know, like what if other drugs? It turns out no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, you got a headache? Take this medicine. It's like, and then it'll make your liver hurt, but, <laughs> but at least your your head won't hurt anymore. I don't like how it's like transferring that malady to another part of your body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's kind of weird. Like somebody with restless leg syndrome, they're like, I kicked that, but now I can't stay away from now the craps table. Lost all my money. <laughs> exactly. It, it's probably not a good trade off, but uh, it's it's just kind of crazy to think that that's a real possibility, and it's just it's kind of crazy to think that the cure uh, could end up making things worse than the initial problem itself. And I I think just uh, that sounds maybe not related to gig work, but (laughs) as the opportunities to do gig work proliferate, you and I, we feel compelled to say that gig work can actually be similar. It can be like, it can seem like it's the solution to a problem, but in reality, it causes more problems for a lot of people. No, totally. I don't think we would be the only ones who said that there is an insidious nature to pharmaceuticals uh, <laughs> and, and the companies and the things that they're trying to sell as well. But as we're talking about gig work, you know, depending on who you are, you might instantly think that gig work is just you know a complete waste of time. Maybe you have a, a great career, you're really happy with your job. But for others, I think they might see these types of jobs as maybe the answer to all of their life problems. They might think too highly of gig work. Uh, and since you know at least one in three Americans actually perform gig work in some way, form or fashion, this is according to a Gallup poll, 
it's an important thing for us to cover. And so whichever side of the aisle that you are on, uh, there are certainly benefits worth considering. But also there's this darker side to gig work as well. And that's what we want to make sure that we're covering. And so we're going to address both sides during this episode. We're going to help you determine if gig work uh, is a good fit for you. Uh, and then if yes, uh, we'll actually help you to think through choosing uh, the best one for your life. All right. So let's do a little bit of a history dive here, Matt, into where gig work started, where where it is now. You know, in its current form, it's relatively new on the scene, but it's been around in different iterations, I think, for, for longer than people might assume. The term initially actually gig, it, it started with jazz musicians back in the early 1900s, like oh yeah, I'm going to go do this gig. That, that kind of became the common yeah, parlance. I got, a, I got a gig tonight. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to pull out my trumpet and make some, make some noise. Take the cigarette out of their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking was more common back then. And, uh, uh, it was. I mean, that's a term that's still used today too with musicians. It's sure. just like, hey, oh yeah, I got a gig this weekend. I got two gigs, you know. And uh, you, I mean, you probably used that when it came to shooting weddings, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got a gig. Like, I remember, yeah. It definitely felt a little more towards like the freelancer side of things, but it, it definitely was. It's just like, this is something I'm going to be at for a limited period of time. And uh, I certainly think that's how gigs kind of came to be a part of our language. Yeah. And then temp agencies started springing up in the 1940s, which continued to fuel the rise of gig work, where people would work at a job, not taking a full-time position, but it's really incredibly temporary. Uh, And then, yeah, in in 1995, Matt, stats show that 10% of all Americans were using some type of gig work to make money. And this was even before the internet really came along making gigging ubiquitous, mm-hmm. uh, making it just super accessible for people to work when and how they wanted just through the simple use of an app. And, and technology, obviously, since then has had a massive impact on our ability to perform all sorts of different jobs in gig form. And yeah, there's pros and cons to that. Yeah, and that impact has been felt in both good and bad ways. And so it's kind of get us up to speed with you know what we think of today when we talk about the gig economy. You instantly think of Uber, you think of Lyft, uh, or even your favorite food delivery service, which is certainly going to be maybe too expensive. Yeah, I don't have a favorite food delivery service, Matt, <laughs> because I refuse to use them. Uh, but there are other companies doing unique things in the space as well. Sites like Amazon's Mechanical Turk, also known as MTurk, started simple online gigging. TaskRabbit and Fiverr, they've both normalized gig work even more. Airbnb and Turo, they offer gig work opportunities, you know, with the the assets, the items that you already own, whether that be renting out a room in your house or or your car. And then Uber came along in 2010, uh, and drivers have now given billions of rides on that platform. And so that's where it's at today. But one of the things worth pointing out here is that gig work seems to be furthering the, the dissolution of the relationship between employers and employees. It's important to highlight because this comes with positives and negatives that we're going to be talking about today. Fortunately, doing gig work, one of the side effects is not that you might become a compulsive gambler. If it was, (laughs) then we would say, this is really, really bad, guys. Stay away. But let's talk about the pros, you know, some of the benefits of gig work before we jump into the ways that it sucks. Before (laughs) we talk about all the insidious aspects of gig work. Because there are some benefits, and I think actually some of the ways that some of the things the gig economy has done have actually rubbed off on some traditional employers, and I think that's been good. But um, really, when it comes down to it, is there anything better than choosing when you want to work? That is like sounds, well, sounds pretty nice. One of the top check marks in favor of gig work, right? Because this really was a revolution. Folks who choose to do gig work have ultimate control over their schedule, which jobs they want to say yes to and what they want to say no to. You can stop when you want, both for the day and forever. Like you can be like, I'm giving two more rides tonight, and then 
I'm never doing it again. I'm never opening this app again. Then Not I'm just going... for the evening, but you can blow the popsicle stand altogether. <laughs> then uh, the, the banana stand. <laughs> then after that, I'm going to go to my jazz gig I've got later. Exactly. <laughs> Double gigging. Exactly. And there's no one that can tell you otherwise. Um, and so, yeah, maybe let's say Matt and I were on Fiverr poking around trying to get someone to do some web work for us. And we could say, hey, do you want this gig for 150 bucks? And you could say, no, actually, I'm ethically opposed to people saving more of their money, and so I'm not going to take this gig. Like, I refuse. But and Very few a- people should be taking that stance. Right. <laughs> but it really is up to the individual. Like, I can choose whether or not I want to do this and when I want to do it. And we're seeing, you know, more of the regular economy, like I said, take on elements of this gig work, too. Matt, I talked to a friend recently who works for Amazon locally, and he puts together grocery orders. Uh, it was just kind of fascinating to talk to him about it. He actually puts on this, like suit to go in the freezer to, to start oh. putting uh, packing people's bags and he does nine at a time nine orders at a time holy cow very interesting but he has does he have like special coveralls that he like yeah something on? like that yeah so he didn't show me a picture of it but doesn't he, get too cold yeah yeah <laughs> i mean he doesn't want frostbite in there while he's working but yeah he has just this like a ton of flexibility when it comes to choosing his hours and whether he wants to come in at all uh he, you know the hours get posted for the next day the shifts and there's like variable pay rates among the the shifts that he can choose and he can be like all right if i work this this shift here i'm actually going to get paid two dollars more an hour so i'll take that one or you know what i don't want to choose a shift at all because i'm going to the lake uh, he really is in charge of that even though his job isn't traditional gig work we're starting to see more employers offer some more of these gig like uh perks from you know to their employees yeah on a similar note one of the benefits of gig work is that you can do it part-time while you have another job it really can be a side hustle so because of the the flexible nature of gig work you can you can take for instance mturk surveys on the side for just a few bucks you can even take mturk surveys while you're at your day job and you can be like killing two birds with one stone i don't recommend that that might be an unethical use (laughs) of uh, the company's time yes uh you know or you can actually just take a few clients and maybe you can perform that work in spare time like outside of your main thing and an attempt to make it your full-time job that would might be a, a more on the up and up way of <laughs> taking on some additional work True. i don't actually recommend that i was just <laughs> saying it's possible you're just joking around uh, but we wanted to mention this because there aren't as many rules surrounding gig work and how you want to fit that into your life uh like it yeah it makes me think of outback steakhouse what is it it's like no rules just right or oh, whatever yeah. that's the motto i live by <laughs> which by the way that doesn't make any sense because like there are a lot of rules in australia actually australia <laughs> in probably... the outback steakhouse you can't go back in the kitchen if you want <laughs> yeah you can't do whatever you want <laughs> but I, I just really like how you can use gig work to almost like fill in just the cracks of your life when it comes to income right like you've got your main gig you've got, got your main job um and it kind of okay so it makes me think of like this illustration that i remember seeing when i was in like middle school but you remember like uh there's like a glass vase or jar and you've got a couple big rocks and then you've got a bunch of sand and you can fit all of it into the jar below the line if you do things in the right order so you get those big rocks in there first and then that sand it fills in all the little nooks and crannies and you're able to uh, maximize how much you're able to fit in that jar Mm -hmm. and i see the same thing with gig work you've got these small flexible jobs that especially if you're really going after uh, a savings or an investing goal or a debt payoff 
playoff goal. These side gigs allow you to slot in some additional money just in all these little cracks that aren't being utilized, that aren't being fully uh, maximized with your day job. I think that's a great way to think about it because I think if you're pursuing gig work as your full-time job, for most people, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you are pursuing it on a purely part-time basis to fill in some of those cracks, I think it does make a little bit more sense for you to include gig work in your work repertoire. But uh, yeah, yeah. for uh, another perk though, for many gig workers, it, it means the ability to earn not just earn side money, but earn instant income. You know, there, there's not much hating you can do uh, about getting paid instantly for the work that you're performing. If you drive for Uber, you have the ability to transfer your earnings to uh, a debit account that you have linked up to five times a day. That's crazy. Which is pretty spectacular. Uh, it's impressive, right? That's better than getting paid every two weeks on a delayed cycle. Sure. And this immediate access to your pay has really shifted the reality on the ground when people lose a job, which I think is one of the best things that gig work has ever done. There's this instant job with instant income potential waiting there for you. If you get laid off on a Friday, you can be driving Uber on the next Tuesday, probably after you get your car inspected or whatever. And yeah, it might not pay as well as the job you just left or got let go from, but it can still provide a really helpful financial backstop for people who you know, unexpectedly find themselves out of work. That's easily one of the biggest pros of gig work. Yeah, and that financial peace of mind that it brings to you, like before you've even gotten fired, right? Like maybe things are looking kind of, I don't know, maybe things are looking kind of rocky at work. But just to be able to know that you have that as an option to where you can immediately get to work, you're not just going to be sitting on the sidelines, um, you know, depleting your emergency fund. Instead, right. you can, you know, get get back out there, get back to work, start earning money immediately. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that, a benefit. that combo of gig work always being there and then your e-fund, it provides like this, like, two biceps worth of strength yeah. as opposed to just one. Totally, yeah. And so another one of the the immediate benefits uh, similar to immediate pay is that most gig work opportunities just take very little training. A typical job requires some on-site training, you know, at the very least, if not like an entire degree, a college degree or years of experience. But as long as you, you know, have a smartphone or if you have a laptop, the immediacy that gig work provides can just come as a relief to know that this is something you can get straight to. Virtually anyone can pick out groceries and deliver them. And of course, the more efficient you get at that gig job, the more likely uh, you are to make. But it doesn't require that specialized training. Uh, although, that being said, not all gig work is created equal. While grocery picking is open to virtually anyone, more specific jobs that are up on sites like Fiverr, up on TaskRabbit, they actually require uh, a certain talent <laughs> or a certain skill set, uh, and they're likely going to be paying better uh, as well. Yeah, and another benefit of the gigs you'll find on platforms like that, Matt, platforms like TaskRabbit, is there's some variety and novelty involved. So if you get bored easily, you don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over, you're going to have like enough variety maybe to keep you uh, interested. You're, you're often meeting new folks and sometimes getting introduced to entirely new businesses and industries, even outside of a specific app, right? The, the diversity of jobs that you can partake in is likely going to be seen as a benefit for somebody in the gig workspace. Sure. Uh, maybe you're getting tired of driving people around and you're like, ah, I'm a I want to do something else. Tired of making conversations with strangers. I get it. Well, you know, you can choose instead to do like cross country or local hauls of stuff that people need shipped with a site like Roadie. So I think in that respect, there is enough variety and enough choice for you in the gig economy that you don't necessarily have to go all in on one company. You can take the more is merrier approach and kind of find ways to 
benefit from a multitude of different gig work uh, opportunities. Yeah, you can not only maximize how much you're making, but you can maximize the different experiences that you have as well. And people, I don't know, maybe if you're stuck at a standard nine to five, maybe you get tired of the same people uh, every day. <laughs> and so if you're doing something like TaskRabbit or like Lyft or Uber, where you're meeting new folks every day, that's just a really interesting way just to be exposed to a lot of different ideas, a lot of different industries. Oh, I definitely get tired of the first time around <laughs> between in my nine to five. Uh, you're not referring to me, are you? <laughs> uh, one of the other benefits of uh, gig work is that you're just entirely independent. Uh, I think this is one of the main reasons that gig workers choose this path. Because, there, I mean, there's no boss who's going to be breathing down your neck or, you know, demanding that those TPS reports need to be on, on their desk. You know? <laughs> or that you got to come in and work over the weekend when you had plans. Yeah, what, like, what does is, what is TPS report even stand for? Do I don't know, you but know? it's just the office like it's a, yeah. yeah, but it's, I mean, it's a real thing. Oh, is it? It stands for that meaningless drudge, like, drudge work. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to it's actually something in real life. But the freedom that comes alongside not having a, a boss to report to, it's, it's hard to quantify. Uh, and overall, there is a, a heck of a lot less bureaucracy to deal with. You know, there's likely no resumes that you had to fill out in order to start working for that, you know, that gig job. Likely you didn't have to interview. And so for many, this is just as big of a selling point, uh, just as the, the mountainous levels of flexibility uh, that gig jobs offer. Yep, it is nice to not have to be told what to do. So, Matt, we, we called this episode the insidious nature of gig work, and it <laughs> sounds all bright and rosy right now, but it's not. I, I promise you it's not, and we will get to the downsides, the under, dark underbelly of the gig economy. We'll get to our thoughts on that right after this. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back. And yeah, we actually maybe talked more than we thought we were going to <laughs> about all the different benefits of gig work uh, because there truly are some real benefits there. Um, but we want to make sure that folks are aware of the downsides, of the insidious nature of these different gig working apps. So let's get to it, man. I think the one of the first things that we want to make sure that we discuss is just the lack of consistency when it comes to gig work. Uh, we talked about the flexibility that gig work has to offer, which is super nice. But what if you depend on gig work for, for most of your pay and you can't get a gig? You know, you might be sitting there, you know, like waiting to earn money. You're sitting there on your phone refreshing, uh, but there are no gigs to be had. No rides as an Uber driver. Maybe nobody wants to rent your car on Turo for no, a couple of weeks. No packages that need to be taken across yeah. town on roadie. Which I can hardly imagine a world where there aren't packages that need to be delivered right. with, with how much online ordering that we do. Uh, but The Atlantic, they did this piece and they interviewed this guy who does pick up Amazon flex shifts. Uh, and the day that they're interviewing him, he likes to, to pick up the 4 to 6 a.m. shift. And he just woke up and was sitting there with his coffee and kept refreshing. And there were no blocks. That's what they call them. You have to reserve a block. Um, uh, and so for him, like that was just going to be a morning that he got up early, but wasn't going to actually make any money. That would be incredibly frustrating for yeah. somebody like not me. Not to with, smell the roses, but if you <laughs> if that's not what you're wanting to do with your morning, that's frustrating. Exactly. Yeah. Well, sleep is important, man. So it's important to keep in mind that when the demand isn't there, you aren't always going to be able to make money when you want to. Uh, and, you know, not only are the market forces going to determine your pay, but because you're just a, a kind of a small cog in this giant machine, you, you know, you likely don't have much say as to what's going on, nor do you have the ability to, to make changes like you could if you actually owned your own business. Uh, you're more subject to the whims and policy that the corporation decides to implement. 
And that's going to have an effect on your ability to work, on your ability to earn as well. Yeah, and it's hard to push for a pay raise when you're working with this you know, faceless company that yeah. you have zero dealings with. You don't have a manager that you work directly to, which is part of the bright side, but it's also part of the downside. You can't be like, listen, I need a raise or it's time to walk. Um, and you know, it, there's always somebody else willing to open up their app and do that gig if you're not going to. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely one of the dark sides. I think uh, on, on a similar note, Matt, gig work doesn't offer a career path for people. They're often just, there's no way to advance your career in the gig economy you're literally just doing a job at a time. Um, and yeah, you're doing it because specifically of the pros that we mentioned earlier, you're not necessarily trying to move up the ladder. You're not necessarily trying to increase right. your earnings. You know, If you're choosing to be a part of the gig economy, it's likely because you aren't as interested in climbing that corporate hierarchy. But uh, yeah, it is important to note that this is a significant downside. It is fine to start gigging if you want to, but there's just no real avenue, no path for advancement and for making more money, for getting a promotion. That doesn't exist in this world. That's right. Yeah, you inherently don't have control of your career trajectory. That's because there is no trajectory. Like, mm-hmm. basically, you either work uh, and you get money, or if you don't work, you don't get that money. You're directly trading time for money. It's incredibly consistent in that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, health considerations, man. Like, that's another big downside to most of the gig work opportunities right now. Uh, and because of the sort of warped way that we've set up healthcare in, in this country, your coverage, uh, or lack thereof, is tied to your employer. And so if you are partaking in the gig economy with uh, most of your working hours, you won't have access to that highly subsidized, really nice, posh healthcare plan from your employer. And so that's definitely something you want to keep in mind. I will say there is one bright spot uh, on this front, though. Many folks who are getting paid uh, primarily via the gig economy will be able to qualify for the massively subsidized plans on the healthcare exchange. Uh, It's more affordable than you think. And we wanted to mention this because a lot of gig workers aren't aware that they can get these very affordable plans uh, on the exchange. And this was all due to the American Rescue Plan that was passed earlier this year. Uh, And so gig workers, if you're out there, make sure that you look into that because if you're not insured, you are on thin ice because, yeah, medical bills, that's the number one reason for personal bankruptcy in this country. No doubt. Yeah, I was talking, I mentioned my friend who works at Amazon and he puts together the grocery orders and I was talking to him about health insurance the other day. He doesn't have health insurance mm. right now. I was like, dude, it's time to get on it. And this this is where you need to turn. Yeah. You need to go to healthcare.gov. And in all likelihood, most people who are working for gig work rates, uh, they do qualify for little to no out-of-pocket. Yeah. Uh, the premiums are going to be super low or non-existent. You might be able to get one of those $10 plans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, it, it's not just a lack of healthcare, though, when it comes to benefits. There are few to no benefits at all when it comes to gig work, right? The, uh, the gig economy isn't going to offer you access to retirement benefits. There's no paid vacation time. Although you can take as much time off as you want. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get paid for it. It's just not paid. Yeah. And that is, that's a bummer, right? When you're like, I I feel like I need a couple of weeks at the beach. And it's like, well, sorry. You're going to, you're going to pay on both ends. You're not going to be earning any money. And guess what? It's going to cost you. Yeah. You might need to open up your gig work app and take some gigs while you're (laughs) trying to rest and recuperate and get away from work. Take some surveys while you're out there on the beach. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, although not all employers offer a match for your retirement contributions, you certainly won't get that access to free money while you're gigging. You can still open up your own account. You can start contributing, which is great, but don't expect any benefits from that side gig that you're doing. You know, 
the, there's no workers' comp either, Matt, and that's something to think about. If you break your leg, God forbid it, while delivering a food order, you don't have access to a short-term disability policy in all likelihood through that gig company. You need to have your own policy. And if you don't, you might be laid up out of work unable to make any income with nothing coming in. So that is definitely one of the most insidious things about gig work is if something happens, you're kind of SOL really Mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah. Another downside to gig jobs, the pay is not all that great, man. Uh, We've got some stats here. So hang on. 85% of gig workers make less than $500 a month, which is, yeah, this is not so great. Um, And again, this is fine, actually, if this is a part-time thing. uh, But if that's what you're making, you know, gigging full-time, then that's going to be pretty terrible. How much you can make in the gig economy just depends on a whole lot of different factors. For instance, those MTurk surveys, like they're not going to pay you much. (laughs) That's for sure. But maybe if you want to, you know, if you want to earn a few bucks while you're laying out there on the beach, uh, if you do your research and if you only take the very best paying surveys, uh, the the best jobs, you might be able to make eight to $10 an hour. Uh, The average pay of someone who drives full time for Uber is just under $30,000 annually. So you take that, you break it out to the uh, average hourly rate, and it's going to be less than $20 before expenses. And then after that, don't forget, you've got all the other additional expenses when it comes to maintaining a vehicle. Cars are not cheap to keep up and running. Yeah, 20 bucks an hour doesn't sound bad. And then you're like, wait a second, (laughs) when you factor in the IRS rate for mileage and the wear and tear on your car, the extra oil changes you're going to have to do, you're you're burning gas, You're, you're potentially paying extra for insurance, all that stuff. The pay's not as good as it initially seems. Mm-hmm. And the the next downside we we, we got to cover, Matt, is that it's just harder to stop working. We talked about like being harder to get away for vacation because you don't get compensated for that vacation time in any way. But I, I feel like a lot of jobs actually feel constant for people these days. We've got email apps on our phone. We've got Slack on our phone. And you know, it feels like you can never fully get away right. from the office. You can't like, disengage. It, well, and you, when you look at the stats of what happens when people do go on vacation, they're still checking in with their boss. They're still checking in with their manager. They they might work still for an hour every day just to kind of make sure things don't fall apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really bad. Like, that's a bad... You're not going to be able to actually fully realize the benefits of that time away if you don't actually fully get away. But yeah, we're, we're actually... We'd like to see you take those apps off your phone completely because it's unhealthy, really, to be constantly connected. Yeah, and that's for a traditional job, a a job that might have more healthy boundaries. Right. Think about how stressful (laughs) it can be if your literal livelihood is attached to your phone, which you you know also make calls and texts on to your friends. And then let me see what's going on in the gig. Are there any good gigs available right now? And so when you can start making money at the tap of your finger, it's just easier to go in that direction more frequently or to feel stressed about the fact that is that what I should be doing right now? Should I be gigging as opposed to sitting here watching a baseball game or whatever? And yeah, I think it can be hard to shut it down, especially for drivers, like people who do Uber and Lyft or roadie, stuff like that. Think about the Uber and Lyft drivers, Matt, who are getting pinged for the next ride before the current one is even over. And they're like, I guess I'll do one more. Um, it, It can just be difficult to not feel compelled to work when what you actually need is some time off to rest. You're trying to shut it down and everything, all that technology is kind of inspiring against you to get you to keep working, um, keep the app up and keep doing, uh, keep doing work. 
when you need to chill. Yeah, yeah. There's those physical things that are kind of calling you back to the work, like the notifications on your phone, and just the the awareness that if you are not working, you are not making money. Uh, like those are physical things that, like, oh, I need to be working. But then, like you said, like there is just the the stressful mental side of it. And I feel like honestly, this is the most insidious aspect of gig work is that it is just constant. It's always there. Uh, and so I think it would take somebody with a lot of discipline, somebody with like very hard, clear boundaries to understand that, like, all right. I am actively saying no to income by, you know, turning off notifications for the app for the next 12 hours or, or whatever it is. But understanding that you have to proactively put measures in place to make sure that this isn't going to wear on your mental health and just destroy other things in your lives that are just even more important than maybe earning another buck. Relationships, your health, um, just mental health in general as well. There, there are just so many different aspects that can start to crumble when we let something like gig work seep its way into our lives. Yeah, it makes me think of the analogy that you gave earlier with the rock in the sand and it's like it can start to mentally feel like your gig work is encroaching on your brain like that yeah, right there's sand everywhere yeah, like, exactly <laughs> it's like and, glitter it's like oh know, my gosh i must respond i must do something and yeah. yeah i think that that is one of the biggest downsides is that it can it can feel like you it, you're always on you're it's and you always have to respond when in reality you don't but with gig work it, it can feel like that mm-hmm. um, especially when every single gig that you make directly corresponds to how much you're going to be able to save or invest or um, how much money you're going to have to buy groceries that month. That's right. But uh, we, we've got more to get to. Should you consider gig work? When is it right? And then how do you choose the best one for you? Well, we'll talk about that right after this break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at AARP.org slash wise friend. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pump for that but sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back. Now that we've covered the some of the pros, some of the cons that GigWork has to offer, we have discussed some of the good things that GigWork has done to employment in this country and then the insidious nature, the, the dark ways in which it can have a hold on you that's not good. Well, should you consider doing gig work would be the question. And when we're in tough financial situations, sometimes we don't have many, if any, options right. that, we, that we can take uh, when, when it comes to work. The fact that gig work exists, like we said earlier, is great specifically for people in uh, who just lost a job and they're looking for ways to pay the bills this week, this month. Matt, I'll be the first to admit that gig work, it's not really on my radar these days. I'm not very interested. We've got a lot going on with the podcast and our website and the stuff that we're pursuing. And gig work would feel like another thing I have to do that I'm not interested in jumping on. But I have done some in the past. I actually, I think I talked years ago about my one lift ride that I gave because they had a sign-up bonus of $1,000. Which was like an error, I think. <laughs> like a, like <laughs> in the programming language, it was like up for like five hours before, right. they, uh, before they pulled it. They quickly corrected it because they knew they were going to lose a lot of money. And they did. And I made a thousand bucks for giving one lift ride. But one of my favorite gig jobs was doing Rapify. There are so many car wrapping scam sites out there. I don't want to tell people, yeah, get your car wrapped and make some side side money. But there are, I believe, one, maybe two that are not scam, <laughs> scam, scam artists. And Rapify is one. We'll link to it in the show notes. But I liked that because I got paid for every mile I drove with my car without having to do regular work. I went in one time, got the wrap put on, and then I just made money because I was driving to different places. That is my favorite kind of gigging. But yeah, running our own small business and freelancing on occasion is great for me, just not interested. But for some folks, um, I think it's worth considering, especially if you're in a place of like immediate financial need. 
Yeah, and so something to consider is if you've been able to put together a solid financial foundation and you find yourself out of work, like maybe the best course of action for you actually isn't to immediately download an app and to, to look to start making some money. Maybe instead it's uh, time for you to invest in some self-improvement. And that can vary, right? Whether that means getting a master's in something that you're already interested in. Uh, you could check out like a certificate program in a new field uh, or even just you know some downtime where you are able to reflect and to think through uh, what you want your life to look like and what you want to spend your life doing. Uh, I think this is going to be maybe particularly challenging if you are super frugal, you know, just sitting there, not earning any money and instead uh, costing yourself money. I think I would have a maybe difficult time not immediately taking action. But we live in such a rushed society that I think that uh, the people need to hear this this counter cultural message. This is one way that I think it, it might pay to be a nonconformist, to be a little bit of a contrarian and, and to not accept the uh, always hustling kind of mentality where yeah. you just always just rushing off to your next gig. That Gary think, Vaynerchuk style of living. <laughs> I think we, we do too much of that. Uh, and instead, sometimes what we need to do is just reflect and maybe make better decisions and fewer of them. Yeah. And I think the, the less money that you have on hand, the less financial security that you have, the more apt you are to take a job where you're getting underpaid, sure. the more apt you are just to take something quickly. And I've, I've seen friends do that, Matt. It's terrible. I hate it. I'm like, you're smart. You're gifted. You have an education. Like You have so much to offer. And you took this job, not because you wanted to do it and get paid less, but because you felt like you had to because you didn't have enough money in savings. And so that's why yeah, we are big fans of our listeners saving more money, um, having the financial resources to say no to things that they don't want to pursue, not feeling like they have to. And yeah, so let's say you are gig work is going to work for you. You, you either just want to do it part time or you are in immediate need and you're like, man, I feel like uh, it does make sense for me to yeah do some gig work on the side. Well, take into consideration what you like to do first. Just like we mentioned, it, it's worth thinking through what you want your life to look like, right? Even if it's just temporary, it's, it's not always all about the money. But uh, then consider if you have any specific talents that you could use in the space. You know, look for those type of gigs specifically. The, uh, the benefit here is that if you have a specialized skill or talent that you're able to put to use, then you're going to be compensated better for it. If you choose the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest gig work to uh, that's most accessible, it might be easier and quicker to sign up, but you might not get paid the most. So yeah, mm -hmm. make sure you also factor in any costs that you're going to incur before believing that compensation hype. You know, we talked about how much less you might actually make if you're doing rideshare based on, you know, hey, you'll probably make this much money. And it's like, but they don't tell you what the expenses are. Make sure you factor that stuff in too. So that you have a realistic picture of what you'll actually be making. That's right. Uh, and so let's kind of talk about maybe some of the places that you can look for different gigs, for maybe some different flexible work from home options too. Uh, if you are looking for something along those lines, check out flexjobs.com. That's one of our favorite sites for you to turn to. It isn't free, uh, but man, it is the best site for flexible job opportunities. Uh, if you're going to look for more of those, you know, these gig type jobs like we've been discussing, sidehustle.com, and that's hustle, just H-U-S-L. <laughs> that's a, a great site with reviews about the different side hustle jobs that you can pursue. Uh, but especially if you are a creative, Fiverr is going to be a great site for you to, to find clients through 
That's one of the sites where it's definitely going to pay to have a, a particular niche that you uh, excel at. Uh, and Upwork, that's another awesome site too that makes it really easy to look for work. All of those are great resources for you to look online uh, and we'll make sure to link to all of those within our show notes. Yeah, looking in the right place is yeah part of it. Don't necessarily just go with the gig that your friend recommends or they've been doing for a little while. Do your research and see if you can find something that pays better or utilizes your skills even more than you know the just the gig that your neighbor down the street is doing. And also, I think it's important when you're thinking about gig work to always have an exit plan in mind. You know, one of the reasons that, Matt, you and I, we like the site Fiverr, we think it's good, it's because you'll be able to utilize some unique skills that you have and continue to expand and refine your ability to generate income pretty easily, even outside of the platform itself. Like, you could build up a book of business and eventually kind of start your own thing. Starting on Fiverr doesn't mean that you have to gig forever. It can be the start of your own business, really. That's tougher to do, though, when you're looking into something like delivering packages. But whether it is using your gig work as a stepping stone to building your own business or whether it is having like an end date in mind, like I am going to pound the pavement and find a, a job and use my network. And within the next six months, my, my goal is to be out of gig work altogether. Or yeah, if, if your exit plan is just to say, once I reach this certain level in savings, uh, get, you know, gig work is helping me get there and then I'm done with it. Uh, having an exit plan though, and, and not just letting it go on in perpetuity is a good approach when we're thinking through how gig work should fit into our lives. Yeah, and I like what you said too about Fiverr, but like essentially what you're you're talking about there is using the skills that you are gaining and that you're refining within that platform to potentially turn that into something that you completely control on your own, like outside of that platform where they aren't taking a cut, where they're not telling you what to do and you've got your own book of clients. Uh, Like being able to translate that into something you fully control into like a bona fide business is huge. Eventually hanging your own shingle, Getting your own clients, eating what you kill, being the master of your own domain. Exactly. Yeah. And so just being able to basically, like you said, master of your own domain, like you want to have control over your future and you're going to be able to do that when you are the one calling the shots. Generally speaking, like gig work is going to unlikely be the best answer for most folks in an ongoing way, right? Because of the lack of benefits, the, the different downsides that we mentioned, right? Inferior pay, no meaningful ability to advance within the company. This isn't an awesome primary work solution for most people if we're talking about doing it for years on end. It is awesome, you know, like we said, if you've lost your job, it can bridge that gap pretty well. And it's also going to be awesome if you have a savings or a debt payoff goal uh, and you're using gig work to help you to achieve it more quickly in addition to your main gig. But just know your timeline and the reason that you are using that gig work because we we don't want it to become your main gig, your main thing by default. Uh, We kind of want you to be looking up towards, you know, towards the horizon and for you to have a game plan uh, with your work. Yeah, the fact that gig work exists, we would say, is in many ways a good thing. If you lose your job tomorrow, you can provide for yourself or your family uh, because gig work is just sitting there in the background waiting for you to tap into it. And money isn't everything, Matt. I think some people might find that being a dog walking gig worker works really well for their lifestyle. They've got really low expenses. They love doing this. They love all of those flexible benefits that gig work provides. And if that job not only pays the bills, but provides a significant amount of like work satisfaction and life satisfaction, then it's all good in our book. Like we're not going to hate on anybody who says actually gig work is the right thing for me and it's the right thing for me to be doing on the reg. But you know, as the gig economy grows, it does threaten to change the relationship even more between employer and employer 
employee than it has already. Uh, and it's important for individuals, for consumers to know that gig work comes with significant downsides, mostly which uh, most of them are financial in nature. And while gig work does make sense in certain scenarios for certain people, it's not a great choice, I think, for most folks. That's definitely true, man. All right, let's go ahead and get back to the beer that you and I shared during this episode. Uh, this was a Fluffo Sando, which when I said at the beginning, folks probably didn't. I don't know. Maybe you had no clue what type of beer this is, uh, but it is an imperial milk style brewed with cocoa nibs, peanut butter, lactose, vanilla, and natural marshmallow flavors. Uh, this is by Pipeworks Brewing. What were your thoughts on this one, dude? All right, so I have a couple thoughts. One, we should only drink Imperial Milk Stouts from now on because <laughs> regular Milk Stouts are a little boring and this one was not boring. It is definitely not boring. Definitely yeah. packed in some flavor. Uh, the peanut butter, the marshmallow vibes, I felt like took this to a whole new level. It made me, like, I, I'm not usually a huge Milk Stout guy, but this Milk Stout is one I would definitely go back to because of the fact that it was a little more robust, like a little bit yep. bigger. Mm-hmm. And then also it had these other flavors going on. It wasn't just one note lactose and or anything like that. Like, it had kind of a well-rounded flavor profile and it was kind of unique. Yeah. It was also a little boozy. I feel like that was the first thing I noticed. Some beers are able to use the flavors not to mask it, but just to kind of incorporate that into the beer. Whereas I felt like that was the first thing I noticed uh, with this beer. But, you know, it was a milk stout, but it's got sort of like this more aggressive flavor profile. I guess that was like maybe the imperial nature that you were kind of commenting on. Uh, but like that lactose, it makes you it makes you think of marshmallows, right? Uh, there's lactose in this beer. But it wasn't kind of like the overly sweet marshmallow. Like it was more like like a marshmallow that you're that's caught on fire, like over <laughs> the campfire <laughs> a little bit. And so it kind of had like this bitter edge to it. I think it added to that robust nature of this beer. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't just kind of like a dessert milk stout. Yeah. It definitely had that punch that you oftentimes find with uh, maybe like a, a Russian Imperial Stout. Yeah, not nearly as bitter as those uh, usually are, but I, I dug it, man. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Pipeworks, they're out of what, Chicago? They make good beers, so I, I really enjoyed this one. Most definitely. And by the way, have you ever had a fluffo, like a fluff sandwich or no, whatever? No, never have. I mean, I assume it's like a PB&J with like melted marshmallow or like the marshmallow spread. You, have you ever gotten that before? No, not really, but I think we had some when I was a kid back in the day, but... That just seems like th- decadent seems like living, a, a vintage sandwich, right? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Like, this is what they used to eat back in the 60s for lunch or send their kids to school with. And yeah, I like the beer form probably better than I like the sandwich form, but I'd try that too. All right, that's going to be it for this episode. Listeners can find our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. We'll make sure to link to some of the different resources and sites that we mentioned during this episode. No doubt. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please do so you get notified whenever we release an episode. And Matt, that's going to do it. So until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.